Welcome back, podcast listeners. Here we are, podcast four, being excited. How are you, Britton? <laughs> We're back again. Back again. Hello. Hello. So, did you have a good weekend? Yeah, hadn't done too much. So, I tried World of Beer last night. Oh, cool. Where was that at? So, it's in the summit at Fritz Farm. Oh, that's super cool. It's that new, like, really nice, I don't know, not a mall not an outlet center. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's honestly like, damn. So can <laughs> you, so do you like try different beers? Is that what it is? Uh, Brittany was, uh, very courageous and got the Halloween flight and tried like four different kinds of beers. They were small. I personally just got a margarita. <laughs> I, so, I don't like change. So in other but, words, you played it safe. <laughs> yep. Pretty much. Yeah. So we are back after two weeks of not being able to post a podcast. So unfortunately, we had some sad news in our family. So for you guys that are tuning in for the very first time, I'm Kimberly and this is Britton and um, I'm Britton's mom. But unfortunately, my dad, which will be Britton's papa, passed away, which was extremely sad. He was only 63 and died of a heart attack, and I think it was probably um, one of the hardest things I had to ever go through. Um, I thought it was hard losing my papa, uh, which was just a couple years ago, and now here we are losing my dad, which was the baby of the family. So um, extremely sad. It was very hard to deal with. Um, Being, you know, me and Britton, while Britton lives in Lexington, Kentucky, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and we're both about six to six and a half hours away from North Carolina. I know where it happened at, and I believe it was probably the longest um, trip of my life. And luckily, I had my husband uh, to actually drive me back, but I know Britton had to drive herself back. So I know it was a, a tough ride for you, huh, B? Eh, yeah, it wasn't very fun, but I had Ellie. Honestly, that sounds weird, but uh, every time, even if I were to just like shed a tear, she could be dead asleep and she would just be licking my face right after I shed a tear. I don't know how she knew, but, you know, that actually was really comforting. Yeah, the dog, I mean, it's so funny how dogs can, you know, pick up on things like that. I know when I was running around the house, she's trying to get something packed, which, of course, I didn't do a very good job packing things, but my poor dog was running around like, what the heck is going on? So, um, you know, we do have Peyton, which is, um, tw- he just turned 12 and we picked him up from school that morning and we had to tell him that, you know, Papa had passed and, you know, it was really, it's probably his first n- real death to somebody really close to him. And, you know, it was kind of odd because he didn't cry at first, but as we were traveling, I could, I looked in the rearview mirror and I could see him crying a little bit. And, you know, Greg said, you know, I think it's because you're crying versus him really understanding what is going on. So I think uh, Peyton was really, really sweet going through that. Um, you know, you remember during the funeral, he, the whole time he had his arm around me and he just kept saying, it's okay, mom, it's okay, mom. And, and he kept playing with my back and my hair. And I thought it was just extremely, you know, sweet of him. Um, I think he just wanted me to be better versus him worrying about his own feelings. And, you know, him, it's, it's very odd when you, you know, it was an open casket and it's really odd when you see somebody there and knowing that's probably the last time that you would probably see him again. 
And I think Peyton was really taking that in because I could see him off to the side. And it was just a really, you know, touching moment, awkward moment, loving moment. I mean, I think it was just a whole bunch of emotions like rolled up into one. Um, But I think it is something that he probably won't ever really forget, um, especially being the age of 12. His first, I guess, really, really true death from someone that he loved so dearly. So... I know, uh, Britton, it was a little hard for you. I guess it was your first grandparents passing. Um, I know you've gone through the great grandparents passing, but um, this is your first grandparent passing. So I think it was just hard for everybody. Yeah, it sucks. I mean, I honestly didn't think I would have to lose a grandparent for another 20 years. Yeah. Um, it, but, it is almost, yeah. you know, an unrealistic expectation that people die. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> uh, you know, I think that, you know, honestly, I think our family's been so blessed that, you know, people don't die till their late 80s, early 90s. And I think that we don't even, when other people that we know, our, friend, our other uh, friends that we know that lose somebody that's in their late 60s or 70s, like it's so odd because everybody we seem to know really die in their 80s or 90s. So I think, you know, from that perspective, we're really blessed. Um, from that perspective. So I think when my dad, with them being 63, was just such a, I don't know, it just seems so young, honestly. I'm like, you know, just how does this happen at 63? But, um, you know, I was talking to Mama, which is 71, and she was like, this isn't the way it was supposed to be. You know, I was supposed to go first. But, you know, me and you both know Mama, and that's not really the way it was supposed to be because my dad really relied on my mom for a lot of stuff. And um, he was very, you know, kept to himself a lot. And, you know, he would talk to his his um his uh, family that he has. And of course, we relied on Mama to drive him everywhere. It seemed like fishing or swimming or whatever it was he was doing. So I, I really believe that if my mom was to have passed first, he would have been shortly behind her because, you know, he relied on her so much. So I honestly think this is the way it's supposed to be. But, you know, we're Christian and we believe that, you know, everybody's got a page and that, that day just happened to be his page. So we, uh, we just thank God for the time we did have with him, and, um, you know, we love him. So so other than that, uh, we're going to move on so to better and brighter things. <laughs> so, um, so you know, World Stroke Day is actually coming up, right? I think it's—so um, we're actually recording this, I believe, on the October 28th. So tomorrow, October 29th, is actually Wear Red in Support of Stroke Day. So you being in the stroke field, what, what is all that about? So, basically, it's just getting the signs and symptoms, you know, of stroke out there. That's the main thing. We want to know, we want people to know what it looks like because it's not well known. It's not something that, you know, people always say, you know, if you have a heart attack, your left arm or in your chest and, you know, that everyone knows that. But stroke is so unknown still. Like, a lot of the causes of stroke are unknown. So the getting the signs and symptoms out there, people get to the ER faster, they get treated faster, which saves brain cells because with stroke, it's all about time. The quicker you get treated, the more brain cells that you save because stroke is in the brain. It can be a bleed in the brain or it can be a clot in the brain, but either way, you need to get that treated really quickly or else, you know, it can be detrimental. You can lose feeling and all use of your whole right side 
it's, I mean, imagine not being able to smile on that side, be able to control your arm on that side. That would be life changing. So getting to the ER really, really quick is key. And using the ambulance to get there. Don't take yourself. Call 911. That's a big thing, too, because they can get you to the nearest stroke center quicker than you could get. I mean, if you go to a hospital that's not stroke certified, then, you know, maybe they don't have good stroke care there. So you need to get to the nearest place that can treat you quicker. So calling an ambulance is key, too. I believe if you can get the medicine within, and you can, you probably know better, but something around like 45 minutes to an hour, don't they call that the golden time or something like that? What is that? That is the golden hour. You're right, Miss EMT over there. Uh So proud. Look at you. But yes, if you get the clot buster drug within 60 minutes, it can completely um, get flow back to that side of the brain that's been um, clotted off. So that's pretty cool. So if you're off balance, that can be a sign of a stroke. Your eyes looking funny or not being able to like see very well your vision. Um, face half of your face ask a person to smile because they can you can see if a person's smile is crooked then that can be a sign or a symptom of a stroke arm have their um, have them put their arms out straight in front of them and if they can't pull one up or keep one up that's a good sign of a stroke where am I at s it's be fast by the way if you haven't noticed be fast that's how you Remember the signs and symptoms of a stroke. Speech. If they um, start talking funny, like they say, if they're trying to say, I need to go to the bathroom, and they say, the cucumber is yellow. That that doesn't make any sense. But to them, they're trying to tell you they need to go to the bathroom. So that kind of mixed jumble words can be, or if they can't understand you when you're talking to them. That's another one, too, with speech. So you can tell them something, and they just completely don't understand what you're saying. Yep. Like, to them, you're speaking gibberish. Yep. So I actually... Time, go ahead time on top. Yep. fast. Getting there fast. So that's be fast. So I have actually had a friend that her mom had a stroke, and um, her dad said that she wasn't... That the mom wasn't feeling well, and she called her mom, and she noticed that the speech, you were right, in which, you know, it just didn't make sense what she was saying. You know, she was talking about being in the shower, but then she was talking about being in the garden, like, while she was in the shower. So it just kind of didn't even make any sense. So um, I think that was her symptom, and she immediately hung up the phone with her mom and called 911 for her mom, So, um, which definitely saved her life. And um, I don't, she doesn't have a lot of uh, symptoms left from the stroke, so that's a good sign that they got to her pretty quickly. So, so tomorrow, World Stroke Day, October 29th, you wear red in support of stroke. So you podcast listeners out there, now you know why everybody's wearing red, if you didn't know. Yes, thank you, Intermountain Healthcare. They came up with Be Fast. So, yes, shout out, Intermountain Healthcare. Shout out. We like our healthcare people helping us out. All right, well, here we go. Ready, set, let's go, guys. We're going to talk about our unrealistic expectation of change. So many people out there do not like change. Um, I am one that I can deal with change pretty well. It's just a it's just a thing for me. I can just kind of move and and it doesn't bother me. I just say, hey, that's you know that's life. It changes. Let's just roll. Um, but I do believe that Britain has probably one of the hardest times with change. So why is that, Britain? 
I don't know why. I just do. I mean, I lived in the same apartment for almost four years. So my sophomore year to after I graduated and started working, I worked at Buffalo Wild Wings for pretty much all four years. I did change stores, but I worked at Buffalo Wild Wings pretty much the whole four years. Um, I don't know. I just got in a routine. I like having like a home almost. So, and you know, what's, what's really funny about that is, you know, of course for you guys that do not really know Britton and I, we, you know, had her really young actually at 16. And so there was actually a lot of change because I was still, you know, learning and trying to grow up and be an adult. And I was making changes myself because I just wanted to better the situation that, you know, I was in with Britton. So we literally, you know, I believe, Britain. how many times do you think you've moved by the time you were eight years old? I mean, I bet you we moved six times, seven times. Um, always, I think, to better ourselves, right? So I don't think, like, it's not like we moved from a house into, like, you know, a really crappy apartment or anything like that. We just, we kept moving to better ourselves and to better the area we were in so she could go to a better school and things like that. But it still had to have been pretty hard to, to, you know, to deal with those changes. And I think you adapted really well. You always had really good friends no matter where you went. And, you know, you, you still have those friendships that you met. I think you have friendships from when you were in elementary elementary school and then when you went to middle school and then when you went to high school so all three of those were totally different friends and I think you did such a good job and everybody of course loves you um, which is why you still have a lot of those uh, friendships that have lasted for so long so why is it now that you're 23 and change sucks for you why I mean have you even thought about that like how all the change that you have had in your life like why does change still bother you I don't know because I mean, I mean, a huge life change to move to Kentucky. I knew no one. I just came here. I don't, I don't know why change freaks me out because I do it and I make the decision to do it. I don't know. Yeah, I definitely think change can be good. So, you know, I worked for a company called Food Lion for about 21 years, maybe. And, um, and but th- when I worked there for that long, I always did new things. So I grew in that within that company, you know, I started, you know, off just making $6.50 an hour to, you know, having a great career with them, literally doing, you know, crazy jobs in the warehouse to literally working my way up into a category and, and marketing role. Um, so to me, like every two years, I felt like I needed to make a career change with, within there to, you know, help better myself. Oh, it was. It was shorter than two years. Yeah, I mean, I would have some of those eighteen months. I can keep up with what you did. So I know it seems a little, it seems crazy, and no. I know you podcast listeners out there are like, "What is up with this lady?" But I, it was, I kind of was put in situations where they were just like, you know, "Hey, come clean this, come clean this up." And then I would clean it up, and it was like, okay, well, I've cleaned it up. It's time for me to kind of let it go. Um, And so I would move on to bigger and better things, which I think is why my career kind of took off like it did. Um, So... I'm not that book smart, but I'm, I feel like I'm really a common sense. And a lot of times the things that were kind of messed up in my career or the departments I would go in was just because people didn't use common sense to get by. So, um, and I always tell Britain that, you know, she's been um, probably in your role now, what, a year and a half you've been kind of doing what you're doing. And to me, it's like, okay, she's like, okay, now I get it. I get it. I'm like, that's the key. If you get it, why you need to be thinking about something else. And I think that helps your mind. It helps you grow. And it's a little scary. 
I like to be scared. It's kind of my thing. I like to try something new um, because it doesn't, it makes me a little nervous and I like to be at the edge of my seat a lot and it keeps, you know, my mind strong. And so I feel that way with Britain. Like it's about that time where she's probably got another maybe six months to a year, but then she needs to be thinking about doing something different maybe not something totally different, you know, maybe staying in the, you know, the stroke care network that she does today, but it may be time for her to think about, okay, is there a, you know, a supervisor's job or a lead position or something like that out there? So, um, and Britain, of course, is working, um, going to be working on her master's, so that may, you know, take a little bit out of that, but what do you think, B? Is it about well, that time? Well, it's funny because, well, my, shout out to my boss because we have talked about her before. We do have career development meetings once a month, and you know, it's in the books to get a better position approved for me. Well, I say better position, a different position um, approved for me later on. And the good thing is that we're such a skeleton crew and we don't have those particular positions already mapped out that I can kind of build something that would fit what I like to do. Yeah, that would be awesome. Yep. I think that's another reason. that's, that's That's the goal. Um, but you know, it's, it's a goal and it's a goal that, you know, we don't, I I believe you have a realistic goal. So as we talk about unrealistic expectations, you know, I don't believe that Britain's thinking she's going to become, you know, the director in the next year or two, but, um, you know, but setting her, you know, I I think you should always set your goals into what you can achieve next. I think it's okay to have a, a 10 year, 15, 20 year goal, but I think you need to be realistic about the goals that you're looking toward, you know, within the next year or two. I know I always hated those stupid performance review meetings where they would say, hey, where do you see yourself in five years? Well, heck, man, I don't know where I see myself. I see myself making some money. That's all I know. Like, I never knew what I wanted to do in life. And I'm just like, I would wait till somebody either tapped me on the shoulder or I saw something that was like, ooh, that's cool. Maybe I should try that. And if I got the job, I would work my tail off at it to make it, you know, even better than what it was. So, I think uh, I think just stop being comfortable is probably a good place to be, um, and don't get into the same routine. It's like once you know you kind of get into that same routine and you're just being monotonous about it, you are not really growing. And I know there there are some people that are wired that hey they have those jobs. I mean my dad is key worked for General Electric for 34 years, same place, did the same job, and he was happy as a bug in a rug, and some people are are that way. Um, Unfortunately for me, I'm not that way. I'm a little cray-cray sometimes, and I like to, you know, do stuff that pushes me. I want to push the limit. I want somebody to look at me and say, oh my gosh, you really did that? And I think Britain has that same passion, which is which makes me so excited that I raised a child that has that same passion. So I'm excited to see where Britain's going to be at um, within the next five years. So I'm so excited well, for I gotta you, Britain. Catch you. <laughs> yes, you do have gotta, to catch me. I gotta catch you. That's you, the goal here. The goal is well, to, not in the same field, but right. you get the point. Yes, because my goal is, as every parent's goal, I think should be, is you want your child to be even better than you. To me, there is no other feeling than looking at your child and being like, shoot, she is so awesome, or he is so awesome, and doing so much better than me. So I know you're going to get there one day, B, and I'm so excited to see you grow. So I think the key for the unrealistic expectation of change is 
You just got to accept the change, stop being comfortable, and I can promise you God has something out there for you. He's got the plan. As long as you stay true and you work hard, you will move on to something bigger and better. And you know what, Britton? It might not be in the stroke care. It's going to be so much fun to see where you're at in five years or 10 years to see if you're even in the health network. So I'm so excited to see that. I'm not trying to rush our time, but I'm so excited to see, you know, where you're going to be at. So... It makes me nervous. <laughs> no, BB. Well, the best part is, is you can never disappoint me. So, I mean, unless you want to be a stripper, but um, no strippers. I don't think you would. I don't think that would disappoint you either. What? <laughs> okay, you're probably You'd be right. Like, how much money you making? I know. Actually, you know what I would really say? Do where's your sugar daddy at? That's what. Like, if you're gonna go in the stripper bar, you st- see, you even need a goal for the stripper club. Okay, the goal would be okay. How long is it gonna take me to find a sugar daddy that's gonna take care of me so I can get out of the stripper bar? Right. So I mean, you gotta have goals no matter where you're at in life. Set your goals. Set them high, even in the stripper world. That's our lesson for today. What do you think, B? I can't. <laughs> All right. Awesome, guys. All right. So we're going to move on to hopefully you get something out of the uh, change uh, episode that we have. So um, please email us and let us know your thoughts. So it is our email address is uepodcast at yahoo.com. So we're excited to hear from you guys. So and let us know. Even if you're a stripper. Even if you're a stripper. I wish we had some stripper songs. I know there's a stripper song, but I'm not good at singing it. All right, so we are going to move on to the Fit by Brit segment, which is brought to you by Cora. Yes, by the way, shout out Cora. Use my uh, code to get 15% off Britain Hope 15, Britain Hope 15, E R I T A N H O P E 15 for 15% off. Yeehaw. All right, so. I'm preaching to myself right now because I have lost all motivation in the past, like, month. I have gone to the gym maybe a handful of times, but I have just, you know, not been that motivated, which is fine. We all get there. It's, you know, the season where we can put on some sweatshirts and cover it up, right? That's right. That's right. Um, But try to get back into the swing of things. That's what I'm trying to do here. My thing is I just got to force myself to go to the gym Or if you don't go to the gym, work out at home. I mean, I know plenty of YouTube videos where it'll take you through a workout for body weight exercises, maybe a short 15-minute ab class on YouTube that you don't need any weights or anything, you know. And if you want to add a little bit of weights, you could use a gallon of milk or a gallon of water, you know, or a child. I know some children... Peyton, that would have loved that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You know, it's funny you're talking so, about. I know it's funny you're talking about getting back in the gym because um, if you know me, I, I go probably five times a week, if not sometimes six. And you know, of course, being away in North Carolina, dealing with my dad's death and helping my mom out with things. You know, I did not get to the gym, obviously, which 
let's just face it, I wasn't even eating either. So Jill may not have been the best workout for me. But now that we've been back since late Friday night, um, I did not go to the gym on Saturday, which I usually would have. And I was kind of like bummed out about myself. But I was like, oh, I'm so tired. There's so many things going on. Why am I going to do this? It's just like, but I have to get back into that routine. So I did go today. So Peyton said something about going to boxing. He said, I'm not going to go today. And I'm like, that's fine. I'm pushing myself. I'm going to work out. Even if it would, and I told my mom, I'm like, it's just 30 minutes. I'm going to go work out. So to me, even if I can get that just 30 minutes of a stair stepper, uh, walking on the treadmill, uh, being on the bike, anything, even if it's 20 minutes, it's more than nothing. So it's really just getting your mindset and pushing yourself for sure. Yeah. Cause you know what, when you make yourself go, you feel good. You know why? Endorphins. Making you feel all good. Giving you energy. All those chemicals you're releasing and doing stuff, you know, makes you feel good. I think you're right because I have an Apple Watch and there's so many different things you can buy. You can go out there and buy Apple. You don't have to have $300 for an Apple Watch, but you know, you can buy so many like Fitbit things now for like $30, $40, but really just helps you like every time you look at it to see where you're at in the day. To me, I think it's pretty cool because I'm like, oh yes, I did it. I did this. I did that. Or I'm close to this. And it's kind of, as long as you set a realistic goal for yourself that you can hit, I know there's so many people out there that they will say, oh, I'm going to burn 600 calories today. And you know, you ain't even burning 100 right now. So what in the world makes you think you're going to burn 600? So it's really putting slow and steady. steady, Yes. So I remember I set my watch at at, uh, 150, which I'm a small person. So to burn 150 was a lot. And then I just slowly like worked myself up every single week. I may raise it up 20 or 25 or whatever. So now I'm at the point where, you know, I have it. I mean, still today, I only have it set at 400. Um, But 400 for me is, is a lot. So I think it's just setting those, again, small, realistic goals. And then it makes you feel good. And you just want to go back and do it again some more. So I don't know. What do you think, B? Yep. You got to just... You know, you can't be like, oh, I'm going to lose 50 pounds. No, start out with like three pounds. Yeah. Then, you know, oh, I could, since I lost three pounds, I could lose five more pounds. I think it's a good point. You can't just go at it and be like, oh, I'm going to drop 50 pounds in a month. That ain't going to (laughs) work. I like what you. And then if you lose it, and then when you lose it that fast, you gain it all back. That is true. Shout out to your dad that does that. Shout out. (laughs) (laughs) it does make you mad though because we've talked about him before where literally he'll go he's like oh i'm gonna lose all this weight and literally he can lose it in a week and it's kind of very frustrating but um you know if you don't keep it up it's it comes back you know more than what you even started out with so Anyways, I love your saying where you say that, you know, you never regret a workout ever. And I think that is, that is so, so true. true. Even when you're sweating, you're, you're never like, like... You're never going to, like, lay down at the end of the day and be like, dang, I hate that I worked out and didn't get to sweep floor. Like, darn, I shouldn't have went to work out. Like, No. You're never going to say that. <laughs> yeah. I was actually reading a book called Sell It Like Sirhant, and actually it's a TV show on Bravo, but he actually wrote a book, and I read that book 
um, just because I'm in a, a selling, you know, type of position and um, where I'm in sales. And I read that he was like, he has such a crazy day. So he sells real estate in New York City and he sells a whole heck of a lot of it. And now I think he has like 60 people working for him or something crazy like that. And he gets up no matter what, I think it's 4.30 in the morning and does a workout. And he said, I will do it no matter what. It's so extreme, but you know what? He said, you know what? Success, it ain't easy. You can't be lazy with success. And I'm like... That's true. Good point. And you know what? It's funny because I work out. I'll take Peyton to school and then go work out. And I'll come back and start working like at 8.15. So I'm always 15 minutes late kind of getting to the game, unless I have a meeting, of course. But I feel so much better than if I did not work out. So to me, that's kind of been the key in my schedule is trying to work out first. And then if I happen, if Peyton happens to go to a boxing class or something, I'll work out again, but just not as hard because I've already done the hard workout. Um, but you got to do it in the morning uh, to me. I mean, it's, I know it's dedication and, but I'm telling you, it will change your life forever when you work out in the morning. You're just, it gets your mind ready to go. I think about when I'm working out, I'm thinking about what am I going to do for the day? What needs to be done? Do I need to call? Do I need to slap Britain around? You know, all that fun stuff. Um, so Rangers, I think, yes. yes, I know. So anyways, well, that is a good tip, Britt. I appreciate it. Um, but we do want to move on to our Kentucky. Kentucky Wildcats. What? what? So just we are um, we are still in preseason for basketball. Uh, we look extremely well. So we're going to kind of save the basketball talk for another day because until the season actually starts. But we do want to talk about our Kentucky football team. So it was so stressed, right? Were you stressed out watching that game? I may have had a drink or two. Or five or like ten for my husband. But, I mean, the first three quarters, I was like, how are we going to win this game? So I didn't know if you knew this stat. So Kentucky, I believe, was ranked 12. And we played Missouri, which is not ranked at all. And but Missouri, no, but it was huge for the SEC. Yes, say. but Missouri, um, so was actually predicted to win right in the whole gambling business. They were, uh, I think, they were a six point favor. And did you know the stat that only um, a ranked team that has played a non ranked team, where the non ranked team was actually going to be the pres- you know presumable winner? actually has won so the ranked team has lost every single time that they were considered an underdog and it's only happened six times so I was like already knew like we're gonna lose that gonna lose and so Britain I'll let you take it over from there what happened in the fourth quarter so Ben Snell the whole time had no touchdowns and only 67 rushing yards which if you keep up with Benny Snell at all like we do you know, we've talked about him before. It's always like 150-plus yards with a touchdown or two. I mean, Benny Snell is crazy good. But no, at the very last second, we're down. And, you know, the only way we're going to win is if we get a touchdown. No field goal is going to save us here. Too much. And here we go. Everybody's like, oh, they're going to give it to Benny. They're going to give it to Benny. That's what they're going to do. Nope, he had full coverage. They couldn't give it to Benny. Here they go to C.J. Conrad out of nowhere with a touchdown at the very last second, literally, to win the game. 
Well, remember, there was zero seconds on the clock. Because remember, on our last play, where the clock went down to zero, they got a penalty. And that penalty cost the uh, Missouri team, where our ball actually moved to the two-yard line. So it was half the distance of the goal. So we were on the four-yard line. We became on the two-yard line. And because it ended on a penalty, they had to let us run one more play. So boo-hoo to Missouri, but woohoo for the Kentucky Wildcats, man. It was so awesome. Yes. And the locker room afterwards was hilarious. They literally had Coach Stoops crowd surfing. They broke a ceiling tile with Coach Stoops. Was that not awesome? You know, I really kind of felt bad for uh, Coach Stoots, which he probably didn't feel bad for himself. So when he was surfing, uh, you know, his shirt was kind of tucked in and everything. But then, like, by the time they were, like, throwing him up in the air, his poor belly was sticking out a little bit. And I'm like, I know he didn't care, but it was kind of hilarious a little bit. Like, whew, they're going to tear this man's clothes off. Oh, boy. Yeah. They were insane. And we're so excited. I know, so. le- leave it to me to talk about belly talk, but it's kind of funny. I kind of look at crazy stuff like that. But it was an incredible game. Um, I mean, the only reason we were in the game is because of our defense and our special teams, let's face it. So we really got to get something going with our offense. Or, and we know, we have Georgia next week. Um, and oh. oh, yeah, we do. We do. Are you saying that because I'm bringing my whole family? Did you know we were coming? Oh, yeah, I knew we were coming. Austin said he wasn't, I think. Yeah, Austin's not coming, but Claiborne's going to come. So it'll be a good time for us. Bring your air mattress. Yes, we need many air mattresses. I'm with you. I'm with you, girl. So I have one, and we, everybody knows that, you know, mine's the best. It's a, It's lasted, what, four years now? Yeah. And it doesn't lose air at all. So, you know what's funny about the game? So, I had, I was showing, uh, you know, because my mom's here with us until the end of Thanksgiving now. And um, I had the iPad, and Greg's Twitter was on, and poor Matt Jones from the Kentucky Sports Radio. He kept tweeting, and he was, like, so angry, like, through the whole game. He kept, like, just tweeting all this negative stuff. And my mom's like boy, that guy is just not happy right now, is he? I'm like, no. And then at the end of the game, when he was like, you know, his Twitter was going crazy and he was so excited and happy, my mom's like, well, I mean, at least we know he's got a happy side to him. So I thought that that was freaking hilarious. And my mom knows nothing about football, so it was pretty funny. You listen to her. Not to mention Twitter. She like she kept thinking this guy was texting Greg. <laughs> I had to tell her, this guy's not really texting Greg. It's on Twitter, Mom. So it's kind of funny. So I had to teach my mom about Twitter. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, so we're excited about our Kentucky football. So now we are, what, 7-1? and one? Is that correct? Yeah. First mm-hmm. time. Do you remember in how long? I know in the no. seventies. I, I think. When next week against Georgia, we get the SEC East. That's right. But then, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, seriously, we got to play Alabama. I'm sorry, ain't nobody beating Alabama this year. I mean, nobody. I can't even fathom somebody coming in and whooping Alabama's tail. But I mean, there is a God, yeah, and it the could happen. But would be fun. Yes, I know. You're exactly right. That would be so cool. So anyway, so go Kentucky Wildcats. We're excited about that. So, our hero of the week. So, Breebe, I'm going to let you talk about our hero of the week. Yay! I picked this one because it's World Stroke Day, because this is going to be tomorrow. Okay. So, this is World Stroke Day, and um, there is a stroke support group out of Hazard, Kentucky. If you don't know where that is, then 
Um, it is a very, very small town out in eastern Kentucky in the mountains. Um, a very underserved community. Uh, they don't have a lot of resources, but they have a stroke support group there. And, you know, with drugs being as prevalent as they are out there and, you know, just bad conditions overall, the incidence of stroke is higher there. So there's a lot of people having strokes. Well, there is a stroke support group of people who have either had a stroke or they're a caregiver for someone who had a stroke. And these people are not only supporting each other, but they are supporting the community. They go out and give educational events at schools to the kids. They go out and give events to the elderly at senior centers. They do events at Walmart. They are telling everyone about stroke. And I just think it's absolutely amazing that these people who have been through something so bad have turned it into something so good. And they have actually um, been awarded through the Stroke Care Network. And they are nominated with a national award. It's called a RAISE Award. It is Raising Awareness in Stroke Excellence. So if you go to uh, stroke.org, I think, just Google RAISE Awards. It comes up. Go and vote for them. Today is the last day, so go vote for them. They should win that award because they have done so much hard work, and they really deserve it. So. And when you say raise award, that's, that's R A I S E, right? Raise award. Yes, R A I S E. That is incredible. Well, shout out to them for sure. So, Hazard Stroke Support Group, right? Yes, Hazard oh. Stroke Support Group. They have like literally hundreds and hundreds of people in their community they've reached. So, it's awesome. They meet all the time and. Oh, they're just awesome. They awesome. touch my heart. I don't know. Just seeing pictures and everything and their story, it's so cool. Yeah. So you podcast listeners out there, go ahead and do that for us. That will be incredible. We'll give you the results next week, I guess, right? They'll know by the end of this week if they won or not? Yes. Actually, I'll know. Well, I'll know today at the end of the day, so yeah. technically Tuesday. Yeah, you know what you should I'll do, Britton, is put a link out there on our Twitter account, which is at UnrealisticPod. Or on Facebook, it's um, just look up Unrealistic Expectations. So if you put that link out there for them to vote, I think it'll be easier for our podcast listeners to do that. Yes, I will put that link out there for sure. Awesome. Good idea. Uh, what, what? All right, BB. Well, I appreciate your time, ma'am. It's been good talking to you. I'm glad we've gotten past the a little bit of the cruddy part of life. I know it never goes away and we, we all have a new norm, but um, I appreciate all your support that you gave when you came to North Carolina. I love you. I love you. Oh. See you soon. All right, guys. So don't forget uh, to follow us on our social media. Twitter is at unrealistic pod and Facebook is is um, just look up unrealistic expectation. And again, we are always looking for suggestions or uh, topics for the show or just um, a little shout out saying, hey, you guys could do this better. It's uepodcast at yahoo.com. So shout out, guys. We'll see you later. Talk to you next week. Bye, B. Bye, Mom.